So, uh, you know, Dakota was, was sharing earlier about dealing with, uh, you know, the, the boat was flooding. And I haven't, I haven't, this has been a long time since I shared this story, but we, Carrie and I used to, we had a band named Gethsemane, and we used to travel. We used to travel all over the Midwest and stuff, and we had a, we had a, uh, a bread truck, big panel van, bread truck. It was all fixed up inside, <laughs> the best that rookies could fix it up. It slept eight if needed. Um, it, uh, we, we hauled a big trailer behind us with all our equipment in it, and it was, it was quite an apparatus driving down the road at about five miles to the gallon. And, uh, and we, we did everything we did on, on uh, free will offerings, and sometimes those offerings were very small. Every once in a while, we, I actually, there was enough money when we were done that we actually gave people in the band a little bit of money because we were doing this full time. And they, every once in a while, man, it's like I had 10 bucks in my wallet and I could do something. But it cost a lot of money to do this. And, and you know, so anytime something happened to equipment, uh, like the time that we got hit by this major gust of wind that, that took the trailer and just swung it off into to the left, and as it came back, whipped back around to the right, all the stuff crashed out the back door, and we had drums and organs and, and guitars and amps and stuff rolling down uh, US-127. Um, and believe it or not, one of the keyboards I had had a broken key on it, and when I actually plugged it back in and worked it, they all worked. So God was really good with that. That was cool. Um, but we did have a big boom mic that, that mic the overhead of the drums, and it had a, a weight on it about that big, and it was cast iron. And it was standing up right in the middle of the road of 127. And we gathered everything, got it off the side, and there it was. Must have been, I mean, it was the farthest thing back down the road. And I went, oh, I got to go get that. And just then, up over the hill comes a semi. And I'm running down the side of the road, and he starts to slide over so he doesn't run into me. And guess what he ran into? We found everything except that big two-pound or 10-pound piece of cast iron. He probably found that in his grill uh, when he got wherever he was going. But uh, God was faithful. But one time we were coming back, and we were, we'd been up in the Upper Peninsula, and we were coming down I-75, and we were uh, north of, of, of Gaylord. What is um, uh, River something? Indian River. Thank you. We were about there. And we were driving. It's about 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, as I'm driving, this big puff of smoke comes out from underneath the dash. And just, oh, my goodness. And everything quit. So I, I got the, the vehicle over on the side of the road. We didn't even have four-way flashers. Nothing worked. I, but, but I'm hollering because everybody has been sleeping because we had been traveling for several hours already. They were sleeping. I'm going, get out, the vents of fire, you know, and I'm hustling people out, kicking them through the doorway and getting them out, and, and we're standing on the side of the road and throw up the hood, and all this smoke is coming out of, of the vehicle, but uh, uh, no fire, just smoke. So I got back in and gently turned the key to see nothing, just dead, nothing. So we're thinking, what are we going to do? Well, somebody came up with the idea we should pray. So we did. We prayed. Um, and and the, nothing changed in our circumstance. Our boat was still full of water, and we start yelling, Jesus, don't you care? And, uh, and then somebody had a great idea. Whoever was awake with me uh, said, hey, we passed a bar just back down the road a few miles. Why don't we walk back down there? Good idea. We can call. We have AAA. 
because this was before cell phones, all right? Long before cell phones. They weren't even push-button phones yet. It was rotary dial. Uh, and Superman still changed in a, in a phone booth, okay? Back in those days. So we walked to the bar a couple miles, and we knock on the door because it's locked. But the lights are on. And I heard inside, we're closed. Okay. But we broke down, and we need to call. We're closed. Okay. We're a Christian band. And we broke down a couple miles down the road. We got AAA. Can we come in and call? We're closed. Go away. But, 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 would you make the call for us? We don't have to do it. Would you just, if I give you a number, would you call AAA and send them our way? Finally, I heard, yeah, what's the number? So I said, blah, 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 blah. Okay. I said, repeat it back to me. Yeah, you better give it to me again. I knew it was going on. Gave it to him again. He repeated it back. I said, would you please make that call? Yep. So I walked back down to the van. It's after 3 o'clock now. We're at the van. It's 4 o'clock. It's 4.30. Our drummer decides that the best course of action is to go lay right on the middle stripe of, of I-75 <laughs> and just put his hands out and say, Lord, take me now. And, and he laid there, and not because we were waiting for a car to come by so we could even hitchhike or get a ride. No cars. It was just dark and no AAA, and, and it's 4.30 in the morning. And so I'm just, I'm the patient one of the group. Everybody else is ornery. Girls had gone back in, and they finally laid down back in the, in the bunks, and, and they're sleeping. So Carrie and Melinda are sleeping in the back, and us guys are all just, none of us are mechanical inclined or nothing. So finally, out of frustration, I said, that's it. I've had enough. I sat in the driver's seat, and I took the key, and I said, in Jesus' name, start and run. And I turned the key, and wrong, it fired up. I said, get in. We're driving. We drove all the way home, all the way home. Yay, thank you, Jesus. Awesome. So the next day, because I'm a smart guy, <laughs> um, we took it in to the mechanic, to have it looked at. And the guy said, uh, he pushes up, pushes up the hood, and he looks at it, and he goes, oh, I didn't see you drag this in here. I said, I didn't. How'd you get it here? I said, I drove it. He goes, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. He goes, you couldn't. All this stuff burn up. It's, it, it's, nothing's connected. It's all burnt in here. You, can, you couldn't start it. You can't drive it. That's how I got it here. So I went in. Turn the key, absolutely nothing. Can't tell me God isn't good. Can't tell me God isn't cool. I'd love to see the angels that one of them was going to make me think the car was going, our vehicle was moving, and the other one was behind pushing. And we went down the road, and it was just, it was a God moment. It was a God thing because God is that way. He cares about what you're dealing with. He cares about what you're going through. He wants to see you victorious. I got a lot of stories. You want me to tell a lot of stories? No. I got to get into this real quick, and my time is fleeting quickly. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And as you're turning there, um, God wants you to have eyes to see the unseen. We were, Carrie and I were talking about some of the things that, that I was going to share and, and whatnot. In the first service, I kind of shared a little bit with what I was going to get at, but 
kind of sidetracked with where the Lord went. And she said, hey, we need eyes to see the unseen. And I went, that's it. That's it. Um, because we realize there's a natural realm, right? And you and I live in it. This, I mean, we can, God gave us the ability to, to feel, to smell, to taste, to see, to hear. He gave us senses, and he said, use them. They're, they're for a blessing, and they're, for, they're also warning. They're, you know, feel something hot, you, you get away from it and whatnot. So they're, they're for our use and for our benefit. But how many know there's a spiritual realm? Some of you do, a few of you do. Raise your hand if you know there's a spiritual realm. How many know that it's active right here in this sanctuary right now? How many see it? Huh. Are we made in the image of God or not? We are. So why don't we see it? I mean, Paul said, give them, you know, that their eyes of their understanding might be enlightened. This is in Ephesians chapter 1. It's a prayer. God, enlighten their eyes that they can see. God wants us to be able to see into his realm and to hear into his realm and to have an understanding of what's going on in the spirit realm and to recognize the things, the gifts, the talents, the call that God has put in your life so that you can use them effectively for the kingdom. Jesus gave gifts. Remember that in Ephesians chapter 4? He gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Jesus assigned those. Earlier, just before that, he says he gave, a, he gave them grace to operate the gifts that were given. Grace is the empowerment from heaven. Grace is the God-given ability to do according to the truth, the word. And so God says, I'm giving gifts, and I'm, I've given pastors, teachers, and whatnot, and I've graced them or empowered them to be effective in that so they can do what? Perfect the body of Christ, the saints. <clears throat> because God wants you to operate not in those gifts as called in those gifts, but in that anointing. <clears throat> I was not called to be a pastor. However, I work with a pastor. And because of, of the anointing that's on him and the fact that what he does influences me and spills over onto me, I get accused of being a pastor. Because the grace that is on him spills over onto me and I do pastoral things not just evangelical things. You were watching the evangelist element move a little bit a while, a little while ago. And, and God has used me in the miracle gift and the power gifts and stuff. That's part of that. The pastoral gift is the mercy gifts, the, the, the goodness, the, like Jeannie was uh, out of 1 Corinthians 13. Now, we all operate those things, but certain gifts have different uh, attributes that, that are evidenced with them. But so when you hang out with somebody they begin to transfer and they begin to get on you and they begin to uh, affect what you do, how you think, what you do, how you react, how you respond. That's why the body of Christ needs to come together. That's why we can't, you know, we love everybody that's watching. Thank you for watching, but you cannot make that your standard because I need to rub off on you and you need to rub off on me. And we have to have one another. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Some have made that a habit. And God says, don't do that, because we have to influence one another. And here's, here is Samuel in chapter 16. Saul has sinned against God, and Samuel has been told by God that in Jesse's home, he has some sons, and out of those sons, I've picked one to be king. 
And so the boys all line up, and Samuel goes down each one. Oh, this must be him. Nope. This has got to be him. Then look at, look at this guy. He's a big guy. Nope. Because Samuel, his first reaction is to look at the exterior. And then God gives him eyes to see the unseen, the, the, the spiritual things, and recognize anointing and calling, and he doesn't see it on any of the boys. And finally he says, is this all you got? You got to have more because I hear from God. I don't want to be stoned. Um, I hear from God. You have any more sons? And, and Jesse goes, yeah, I got, I got David. He's out in the field guarding the sheep. And Samuel goes, bring him in. Bring him up. And in verse 12 of chapter 16, and he sent and brought him in. What's going to be the first description? The exterior. Now, he was ruddy. Anybody here been described as ruddy? Just me? Okay. And had beautiful eyes. Anybody had that thrown at him? Beautiful eyes? Ruddy and beautiful eyes? That was just me? Okay. Um, and he was handsome. Uh, that was obvious. You guys are looking at me. You can see that. Uh, we looked at <laughs> And God, Carrie's taste was all in her mouth and not in what she saw when she said yes to me to marry me. Thank you, honey. Love you. Okay. So here, here it was. We looked at the exterior. God is showing the the eyes, uh, the Samuel eyes, the unseen. And the Lord said, arise. It's not about what he looks like. It's about what I've called him and anointed him to do. Arise, anoint him, for this is him. This is he. And so Samuel anoints David. So David carries with him the anointing of the king. Let's skip down to chapter 17, and let's look at verse 17. 1 Samuel 17, 17. You should have all read this this week in your Bible reading if you're reading through the scriptures with us, right? Good, okay. All right, don't tell on yourself if you're not. So verse 17, for 40 days the Philistine, now this is Goliath, came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to David his son. So you got a Philistine at the, at the army camp taunting. Jesse's back home grabs David and says, hey, your, your brothers are up at the camp. I need you to do something. Take for your brothers an ephah of, of parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Some translations also put cheese in there. In other words, he's taking them some supplies. He said, take food, David, please, and report back. That was good and necessary. Dad had kids at the front. Dad needs to know what's going on. I need some eyes. I got I, I to gotta know what's going on. So go up there and get that report. So David, the good son. How many in here are good sons? Obedient. Yeah. yeah you should all raise your hand. Daughters. Uh, sons was a generic term for daughters and sons. He said, take this up and get the report. Good and necessary. But here was the important thing. There was a higher purpose for David to go. He took food. He was going to gather information, but what was the other thing he was taking? Say it louder. The anointing of the king. David went to the front lines with the anointing of the king, the higher purpose. See, a lot of us um, get a little bit confused um, with calling, with uh, gifting, with abilities and things like that. And I just want to touch on something. Ephesians uh, in chapter 13 that I talked about earlier with the, the gifts, 
according to the measure of Christ's gift, he gives grace. And then it talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, the Holy Spirit gives gifts. It talks about faith and healing and, and, and miracles. He talks about prophecy and, and tongues and interpretation of tongues. Uh, the, another three gifts would be uh, discernment of spirit, words of wisdom, and word of knowledge. So it talks about these nine gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. Jesus specifically gives gifts. He says, uh, you know, Nick, here's your gift. You don't get to ask, uh, well, can I have a different one in a different color? You know, I, don't, I, I really don't look good in blue. I want to be in green. You can't do that because Jesus has decided it, and he said, and here's the grace for you to work it and do it. The Holy Spirit, though, uh, is not that fussy. How do you get and how do you operate the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit? Huh? Ask. Ask. Simply that. Are you born again? Yeah. So then you are eligible to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. So you, how do you get that? You ask. How do you get saved? You ask. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? You ask. And how do you operate in the gifts? You ask. And the Lord uh, says yes. And we say Amen. Now, the amen isn't just this mental assent to say, yes, God, I, I agree with what your yes is, and therefore, uh, when you move me, I'll move. The word amen comes with the idea that it will motivate us to operate. I agree to operate this gifting. I agree to be used. So, first of all, there's a call that's in our life, and the call has nothing to do with what we do. The call has everything to do with our identity. Your identity is this. You're a child of the living God. You were created in his image. And your call is to rule and subdue. That's your, that's your call as a child of God. Now, after that comes the gift. Now, the gift gives you ability. Listen, if, if, you are, if you're defined by your ability, then you will always have to do to maintain your identity. If, that, if your identity is what you do, You'll have to, whatever it is, you'll have to constantly be doing it, and everything will be performance-based in your life. But the gift is, is the call, okay? And it's, it, it's the ability. I'm sorry, the gift is the ability. It gives you the ability. Then there's this thing called anointing. And anointing brings purpose. Purpose to do. Think about this. Gifts and call, according to Romans 1, are without repentance. So if you're called a child of God, if you're gifted in something, God, that doesn't ever go away. What if I sin? doesn't go away. Now, sin can separate you from God, and, and you can miss out, but yet God has, all, if you've been called to be a pastor, no matter what you do with your life, that call will always be there if you choose, if you, if you mess up, if you sin, if you turn away from it, walk away from it, if you choose to repent and come back, and Hebrews talks about being able to lose your salvation, read it if you haven't. Um, you can come back, and guess what? You can be reinstated into the call and the gift because they're without repentance. Now, you may have to work on getting people to trust you or whatever. We've seen pastors fall and then come back, and you've got to work on trust. But the anointing, then, gives purpose. And the anointing ebbs and flows with your walking and with and in the presence and in, in the in the visual understanding and the mental understanding of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, he came in. 
He came into your life, and he filled you, and he's there. Some of you walk around all day, every day, and you don't even realize because you haven't bothered to take the opportunity to get to know him and how he works and what he does. Now, he's affecting your life, but he wants to be intimate with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you into all truth. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit is the resident genius of heaven? God said, who can I send to lead these people into all truth? Oh, here's a great idea. Let's send the genius. Holy Spirit, got a job for you. He goes, oh, that's what I've been waiting for. Will you uh, dwell in my temple, these people? Yes. And I will take all my brilliance with me. And I will lead them into all truth. What have you ever run into that you were stymied by? Did you ask the Holy Spirit? We've shared this before. There have been times, one time we had the the board, mixing board we had before this was a 48-channel board and had all this stuff going on, all these wires and all these pods and blah, 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 and, and back in the analog days. And we were having some serious problems with it, and we had somebody come out and look at it, and and the goal was to send it in. Uh, it was going to be months probably to get it fixed. So I said, Lord, help me out. Got to be an answer. I went to bed. I had a dream. Wasn't as, didn't write the speech like Martin did, but I had a dream. But in my dream, I was fixing a mixing board. And then this dream it was so detailed. I took it apart. Every screw I watched myself take apart. I watched myself take components out until it got to a point where I turned something over, and like that truck that was all burned up, I found this all burned up area in the mixing board. I watched myself in my dream fix this mixing board. I got some parts and pieces from an old board that I didn't throw away. Huh. Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> he used to save everything, too. And I went, oh, I might have, yeah, I do have that, exactly the same thing. And I took it out of something that was just in storage. By the way, the estimate to fix the board was $2,000. Took it, put it in, in my dream, put it all back together, it worked perfect. Woke up in the morning, Carrie goes, what are you in such a hurry to get out of the house for? I said, I got to go down and fix the mixing board before I forget my dream. So I came down. I started tearing apart the mixing board, and I did exactly what I saw myself do in the dream. Put it all back together. Ta-da! Everything worked perfectly. God. One time, Greg was working on something up there in in, in his stuff, and he was having all sorts of problems. I said, well, in Jesus' name, Greg, go home and dream. He came back the next day after having a dream and fixed it. And I can't tell you over and over again, this piano right here has a, a flaw, but I love this little piano. It's been with me for 30 years. And, and I was constantly taking it in to get keys fixed, and it takes a special tool to take it apart. So I priced the tool. The tool was like 160 bucks or something ridiculous. And I had a dream. And I took a straight blade screwdriver in my dream, and I wedged it down in there a little bit and twisted it just ever so slightly and out popped the key. Got down here, and I couldn't wait to take the piano apart, put the screwdriver in there, twisted it ever so slightly, and sure enough, the key popped out. With a screwdriver, I didn't have to pay 160 bucks for, nor did I have to pay the $85 service bench fee just because every time I took it down there, and then the inconvenience to drive it back and forth to take it and pick it back up. 
So I bought the pieces that I needed and was able to fix it. God lets us see the unseen. God, by the Holy Spirit, in his genius, wants to teach you and lead you. But you have to be willing to position yourself in what he's doing and how he's doing it. You can't just kind of like, well, God, I'll lay here in bed until you pick me up and float me over to where it is you want me to go. And then, and then here's my hand. Hey, he must not want it done because my hand ain't moving. No, God, he's going to. He's going to lead you. He's going to teach you. Here's David. Wow, did I get off track? Here's David. And he's, he's at the front lines, and he says, how dare this uncircumcised Philistine come against you guys, and you let him? He's big. You seen him? And David says, well, I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. I'm in covenant with my God. God is in covenant with us, not them. Let me do it. I don't know. Do you fit in my... Do you fit in my... Am I getting quieter? No, it says, it says I got two bars. Turn me up. Do you... Do you fit in my armor? I'm back. Do you fit in my armor? Matt, I hate to tell you this, but you won't fit in Chris's armor. No, you won't, buddy. You gotta have to, you're going to have to wear your own. Because God has gifted and talented each one of us a little bit different. So David says, no, nope, this isn't going to work at all. Here's what I'm gifted at. And he grabs his sling. But here's the other thing I'm gifted at. I know my God. I spend time in his presence around my, my sheep every day. I sing to my God. I love my God. In fact, whether he knew it or not, God had a name for David already. Man after my own heart. And so David took what he knew, and he went to the brook, and he took five smooth stones. Anybody know why he took five? Because Goliath had four brothers. Did you know that? Interesting, isn't it? And they were giants too. But he takes the five and he puts the, he puts the one in a sling. Now, here is purpose from the anointing that's based off the gift and the call. And he goes running after the giant. Now, we add the amen. God says yes to the promise. So the promise was, I'm going to deliver you from the Philistines. That's the yes from God. The amen from David is, okay, I'll do it. I'll run after him with my rock and my sling. And as he's running, you know what he's doing? He's running at the giant. He might have been skipping because he was excited about it. Who knows? But he's running at the giant. Here's what's happening. David is running at the giant fulfilling his portion of the covenant that God has made with the Israelites. God hasn't done a thing. Huh. What does that mean? You go first. God's a gentleman. You go first. After you. What are the promises that God has made? You're called. You're born, you're born again. You're, you're, you're a child of God. You're made in the image of God. You're gifted. The Holy Spirit dwells in you with all his ability, with all his power and all his might. You have a covenant, a promise from God to do. Not just to go, oh, that makes me feel good. No, to get something done. 
to make change. David goes sprinting at this guy, lets that rock fly. Then guess who took over? God said, okay, my turn to fulfill my portion of the covenant. Where'd the rock end up? Right in the forehead, right? Wow. You think that might have been guided by the Lord in some way? I do. David might have been good, but God was part of it. Because David acted on the covenant. And God said, hey, there's faith in action. Let me get involved here. Let me be part of this. Let me move. We were, we were um, a few years away from being bankrupt, uh, the village of Breckenridge. Things were getting really tough. Um, Carrie came to me and she says, I think you need to run for village president again. And so I went, are you sure? I said, I got out of it a while back. New president had come in. Things went really turned left. And we were going downhill really fast. I said, oh, Lord, what? And I just, I, okay, I need to run for president again. I ran and, and won. I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, it was like, okay, Lord, I get it. I get it. And so, well, we still have to do something. You can't just go as status quo. And so first thing we did was we, we in, a, in, in a nutshell, cleaned house and, and brought in new thinking, brought in a, a, a new idea. And that is we'll communicate, and it's not about us. It's about the village of Breckenridge. It's about the greater. It's not about anything selfish. What do I get credit for? What do I do, uh, and how do I get blessed out of it? It's about how do we help the people of Breckenridge? Those were the people we looked for. Those were the people we found. One day, we, I just I'd been praying. You know, as we drive by, there was property for sale, uh, and it's uh, it's the worst economic um, situation that we've been in in a long time. It's two thousand eight. So let's spend let's spend uh, one hundred and sixty thousand to buy some property. You don't have it. No, we got to get a bond to do it. People, do you trust us? We got the bond. We bought it. What fools. We had people. What fools you are. You are fools. Bought the property. Okay, Lord, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, the, the obvious is, well, an industrial zone. But I'm looking down there, and I said, look at all the agriculture. We are agriculture. We are agriculture. There are industrial zones everywhere. We're agriculture. So why don't we develop an ag industrial tech, agriculture industrial technology park? Yeah, good idea. We're talking about it. Um, and, and, and that was inspiration from the Lord. I mean, that's just where that came from. Well, we found out to our disappointment right away, there is no language. It's never been done. It can't be done. Hmm. So God, why in the world would you tell me to do something that can't be done? So it can be done. So... I gathered my five smooth stones. Actually, I gathered my five people to work with me, and we began on a, a track to write the language that would allow for agriculture, industry, and technology to marry in one zone for the insurance and all the things that go with that to be part of, of that that you have to do for legal reasons. Now, well, one of them was, was uh, working on her law degree. She was at Michigan State at the time. Brought her in just so we could have a law, a mind, and wordsmith. And besides that, she was my daughter, and I could, I could make her. 
And so, and then we, we had a, uh, a master planner who was agriculture. We had a master planner who was industry. We had our village manager and myself, and the five of us sat down, and we began to wordsmith. And after almost two years, we put together a product that we sent to the state of Michigan and said, what do you think? Silence. Months later, we heard back from Governor Snyder's office. We think this will work. We, we, we think this has the ability to marry those things. We sent it then with the, with the state's blessing to the federal government, Washington, D.C., under President Obama, began to look it over. We heard back from the Secretary of Ag- Agriculture, said, uh, I'm coming out to visit you guys. So, okay. So we met with the President, or the, the Secretary of Agriculture, with our, with our um, Senator, uh, Levin, came up. It was great. Uh, Carl Levin came up and took credit for everything. And every time he was asked by somebody from the press, uh, why don't you ask these guys? <laughs> he couldn't answer any of it. Found out later, he never even read it. He just showed up for the picture. Anyway, so they said, yep, this works. Congratulations, you are now the very first in the nation agri-industrial technology zone ever. At that moment, things began to explode. Today, there are, there are several of these parks around the United States. In fact, my daughter walked into the law firm that she currently works for with that on her resume and was hired on the spot. You're the girl that was part of this. We want you working for us. God is good. God, God will bring the... He's brilliant. Not one of us had the ability. Not five of us had the ability, but the Holy Ghost did. We came with, with, with ideas as we were praying. As I was praying, Alicia was praying. Some of the other guys didn't pray too much. But it, it, that, that we would bring in there, and it would spark an idea, and all of a sudden, all this writing went on, and all these problems that were in, as we looked at it, were, were taken care of. Oh, my gosh, that takes care of that. Here's another area, inspiration. Oh, my goodness, it takes care of that. What's really cool in that whole thing, the whole time, my uh, uh, manager down there, who when our first meeting was, you know, I'm a atheist. And I said, well, you know, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a Democrat. Well, you know, I'm a Republican. Yeah. But it's not about that. It's about the people and it's about the village. And, he, and one day he said to me, he goes, you know, you keep talking about things in the Bible. It's a, it seems to be a pretty smart book. I said, it's brilliant. It was written by the gene, resident genius of heaven through men. I may have to read some of that. I said, oh, great. So I bought him a Bible. He came to me later, and he goes, uh, hey, I'm a good. Uh, one of the kids that I coach is going off to the military. Would you find me a good Bible to send with him as he goes? I said, yeah. So I bought him a Bible. I said, this would be great because he said, I, I, I want him to have it. And then I, I watched as he slid $20 bills into different, because he had me mark all sorts of scriptures that would maybe help this kid. And every one of those places that had a mark, he slid a $20 bill in for this kid. He's going off to the military. Can't tell me that God isn't doing these things. Now, will you, will you, will you counsel my son? He's having problems. I'm going to do it with the Bible. I know you are. That's why I want you to do it. 
We're going to see him down here. He's been going to the new uh, Baptist church here in Breckenridge. So glory. But God, but God, what was it? It's the gift. It's the call, the gifting and the anointing moving with the Holy Spirit. And God is going to inspire. And God is going to cause you to rise up with ideas and with thoughts that you've never had. Some of you have businesses that God's just waiting to burst open a new thing, a new idea, a new line. Because he's saying, I have given you eyes to see the unseen, if you ask me. Paul prayed it in Ephesians 1, that the eyes of their understanding might be enlightened that they might know the hope of the call. Because your call as a child of God doesn't just position you as, hey, I get a room in heaven when I die. You do. But there's a whole earth to rule and subdue in the meantime. A whole, a whole world to, to bring the glory of God to pass on. The disciples in, in, in Mark, it said that they went about doing good and, and God confirmed his word with signs and wonders following. God isn't about us just being, sorry, buddy, you walk on that foot too, I'll, I'll walk on it. God isn't just about us living and skating through and who made it to heaven. God's about us changing lives. God's about us bringing hope where there's no hope, life where there's no life, new thoughts and new ideas. Are you kidding? We haven't even begun to scratch the surface of all the cool things God wants to do on this earth through us and through you specifically. Well, Chuck, I'm past my prime. Only if you say so. Because God doesn't even look at age. What did Joel say? Young men will dream dreams. Old men will have visions. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It says, I'll pour out my spirit on my maids, or my sons and daughters. It doesn't matter the gender. It says he'll pour out his spirit on, on his servants. So it doesn't matter your economic status. God is looking at changing you for his glory and using you for his glory, that the whole earth would be covered with the glory of the Lord. Start out by winning your territory. That's your home. That's your workplace. Your community you live in. Start praying. Start seeing what it is that God sees. One time I, I, was, I was praying, and I said, Lord, um, what's going on in the spirit realm? Can I get a glance? And all of a sudden, my eyes... I was standing there, and I could see everything around me, but I could see the realm of the Spirit. My, I know I was, just had this look of, of, of horror because God said, are you, are you nervous? Are you afraid? And I went, yes. I said, God, that's, that's brutal. And there was a war going on between demonic and angelic. And God said right to me, when I said, that's brutal, God goes, it's beautiful. He says, it's perfectly choreographed. And I'm in charge. I said, okay. <laughs> and you can shut it off now. And so I wasn't seeing it anymore. But, it, but as you watch it, the warfare and the intensity that goes on on your behalf. Because you know what? You have angels you call on and you need to utilize to help you overcome and defeat any work, anything the enemy is bringing against you. There are there are myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands of angels. That adds up to 100, mil, 100 trillion angels. If everybody on the face of the earth used 10,000 of them, we'd only be using 80 trillion. There'd be 20 trillion angels still twiddling their thumbs waiting to be used. That's a lot. So feel free to use up your 10,000 and a few more. 
and get them to work. How do I do that? Pray. Have eyes to see the unseen, ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying unto you. Be like the church of Laodicea wasn't. God said to Laodicea, he said, I would that you be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So people say, yeah, I want to be hot for God. But Jesus said, be hot or cold. Just don't be lukewarm. Why? Because heat will change the environment. Put some heat under some water. And once it gets hot, pour it in a cup with a tea bag. And what do you got? Good tea. But if you don't like it that way, throw some ice cubes in it. Then what do you got? Cold tea. Good or good, right? Lukewarm, not so good. What, what does that mean? God says, be a changer of your environment. Don't let your environment stay the same. Heat it up. Chill it down. Don't be lukewarm. Don't look status quo. It doesn't work. God doesn't. Did Jesus stir up the environments that he went to? Every time. Did Paul stir up the environments he was in? Every time. Peter and John, and if you read the book of Acts, every time they went somewhere, things were stirred up. Take a look behind you and see how things are stirred up. It looks like nobody's been there, Lord. And he goes, yeah, but you just walked through there. Why does it look the same? Because I didn't stir it up. He goes, exactly. <laughs> I don't, I'm not trying to be mean or mad or anything like that. I'm just, I'm excited. I, I'm excited to hear the testimony of the call of God on your life, which is identity. The gift of God on your life, which gives you ability. And then the purpose, which gives you, which, or, or the anointing, which gives you a purpose. And you're doing it with eyes to see the unseen. So you're doing it completely aware of how God is working and where he's at and what he's doing. Hallelujah. Okay, I'll preach my message next time. So we didn't get to it. By the way, um, Samuel did become king, and, or, or David did become king, and, and he did rule Israel. So that's the finish of the story. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for these people. If you're part of the prayer team, come on up. I thank you, Lord God, for what you are doing in each of them. Father, each are called children of God. Each have been stamped, Lord God, Father, and, and, and with, with your name on them. They're created in your image. Each of them, Lord God, have a gifting, a purpose, Lord God, that you have given them, Lord Jesus, to, to operate in, and grace, Lord God, to accomplish it. That was freely given by you, God. We don't have to, we don't have to um, beg for that, God. It comes. Now, Father, we build ourselves up in our most holy faith. We pray in the Holy Ghost. We speak the word, Lord God. We hear the word. We mutter the word. And so we have an action, or a part to play in building up ourselves in faith because faith puts a demand on grace, and grace accomplishes it. So I thank you, Father, for that. But, Lord God, I also thank you that there's an anointing that gives purpose. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, and the purpose was to preach according to Isaiah. God, this doesn't come from men. It comes from you. So, Father, I loose over everybody here, Lord God, eyes to see the unseen. God, give them insight into purpose, the anointing. Give them insight into the call. Some already know, Lord God. Some don't. Let them see by your Holy Spirit. Let them see. Unveil, Lord God, the scales that would stop them from seeing 
and let them see into the spirit realm. And then give them courage, Lord God, as they see to step out and begin to do whatever it is, Lord God, that you have purposed for them to do. Mm. Why don't you stand up? We did this in first service, and the Lord wants me to have you guys do it again. I'm going to motivate, activate you guys in faith. I'm going to ask you to do something very difficult, okay? I want you to go to somebody in the sanctuary that's not your husband or wife or immediate family member, if possible, and I want you to pray with them. I want you to pray for them and have them pray for you. Just a quick prayer. Just to tell them that you can pray for this in my life. What, what's the mountain that needs to move? What's, what's, the, what's the storm that's coming against you? What's going on in your life that you can share, that you can have them agree with? But the body of Christ, you are the team that God has prepared to pray for one another. The pastoral staff, the, the, the apostles, the prophets there to perfect the body of Christ, bring the body of Christ to bring them into full maturity so that you can be activated in what we're going to do right now. You've watched people pray. You've seen Pastor pray or me or whoever this group pray. Um, but I don't know the words. That's all right. Speak a blessing over them. Okay? So find somebody right now. Take a couple minutes and pray. Then I'll come back and we'll. So be bold. Be strong. Be confident. Be, be cur- courageous. If you have somebody that didn't wants you to be lying for, go grab them. All right? And begin to speak over them. If they don't speak your language, <clears throat> speak some, <clears throat> some don't speak English. If that's the case, just lay your hands gently on their shoulder so they know you're there and, 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 and pray over them. Yeah? Yeah? Perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love this. If you see somebody that doesn't have a partner, please include them in yours. So there may be three people. That's all right. Okay? There may be three of you praying. We don't care. If somebody's alone, please include them. Don't let them be alone. <clears throat> Matt, why don't you come up here and we'll pray with Dale and Mary. I don't want you alone. Matt, Dale bites, but Mary doesn't, so it's all good. <laughs> but no, pray right with them here. You guys, we're praying over each other right now. Let them pray for you. You pray for them. Glory. Glory. All right, if you've been the only one praying, let the other person pray. Okay, if you both prayed, that's all right. Keep praying in the Holy Spirit. We're about ready to conclude. That's what I get for coming up here without a phone. I have no idea what time it is. What time is it? Oh, I'm way late. Way, way late. I'm sorry. So if you're here and, and, and you would still like somebody from the prayer team to pray for you, come on up front. We want to lay hands on you, uh, even though you've just been prayed for. When you're done praying for one another, we are dismissed. We want you to know we love you. 
Jesus loves you. If you have children here, don't forget them. Um, God is good. Realize you are transforming this world, starting right in your home and right in your neighborhood. You have eyes to see the unseen. Amen. Love you. Bye.